It's time for Midday and the Roundtable as we get things going here on our Midday program. Scott Foster here along with Clay Patton and Bob Rogan and Jason Jorgensen is uh, in a cast of thousands as we get things going. I've said that a few times, but it does take a lot to do everything that we do, right, Clay? The Midday is fact-filled, informational, and just good for everybody. Good for everybody. It goes down well. Sure does. Well, tell us what you've got going on in ag today. Ag team is fairly busy today, so Susan at a breakfast this morning learning more about uh, the True Blue and FFA event. But uh, we start the 1219 off today with Shaley Peter. She's talking with BASF chemical representative Brady Kapler. They're going to be talking some interesting things. I'm back on at 1245 with the newsmaker today. We're talking farm programs and veterans. What's available for those uh, that maybe have just recently ended their military? military career, uh, retiring from it, and they're interested about coming back to agriculture, what's available? What's out there? So we're going to look cool. a little deeper to that. And then Alex Wojcicki is back on at 117. She's talking with Emma Lockick, and she's talking about how FFA gave her the opportunity to continue exploring and pursuing agriculture as a student from an urban setting. So we're really starting to see these urban ag experiences start to pop up, uh, especially in cities like Omaha and Chicago. Wow. Ur- urban ag, veterans ag, all kinds of stuff are reaching out to. Good stuff. Broad expanse. Agriculture is such a diverse word that we're right. taking all aspects of it. We like that. Very good. That's what we do. Well, Jason, things are getting kind of goofy on Center Court in London recently. Big upset. It just happened. Roger Federer has been eliminated from hmm. Wimbledon quarterfinals, losing 13-11 to 11 in the fifth set. Oh. Kevin Anderson of That's, South Africa. That hurts. That hurts. They're uh, both going to need a nap. Uh, yeah, Anderson's a little bit younger than Roger, and I think he kind of wore him down a little bit. So that is a big upset on what's taking place across the uh, pond. Of course, a lot of folks over in England will be watching soccer oh, yeah. in just a little bit as you have the semifinals as they will take on Croatia. Been a while since England has been in a World Cup final. Well, and how much hype would that be with England and France going against each other? (laughs) Some history there. There really. Some history there. Also, as you might expect, a former Nebraska baseball coach, Dave Van Horn, he is getting a nice contract extension at Arkansas after they had that wonderful run and nearly won the CWS. They're probably still thinking about that one. You know, and, and I wonder if we realized what we had here with Dave Van Horn. He's special. We do now. We do now. We get it. We get it. Also, I uh, will tell you about the new swimming coach at UNK. So those are some of the things that have uh, bubbled up on this Wednesday. Okay. Very good. Well, we turn to Bob Brogan and uh, Stocks not having a real great day so far, aren't they, Bob? No, the Trump administration released a list of $200 billion in goods that could be hit with tariffs, and China said it would retaliate. So we continue to up the ante, and they up the ante, and uh, it just kind of goes on from there. It's like a high-stakes poker game. And uh, we'll just continue to uh, watch that situation. Also, wholesale prices have shot up, and uh, President Trump has met with Angela Merkel. Uh, I bet that's going well. Wouldn't you like to have been a fly (laughs) on the wall of that discussion? Yeah, and I just like to say Angela Merkel because, well, I just kind of like to say it. And (laughs) whatever uh, we could do for you, yeah, Bob Rogan's word of the day. (laughs) So anyway. Those are some of the things making headlines today. All right. Very good. Very good. Well, that's all coming up on...
It is time for us to take a look at our ag and regional weather, and Paul Perkins is in here. And Paul, hot, hot, hot today. Yeah, the heat and the humidity are building across the area right now. <laughs> We're looking at feels like temperatures right now. Omaha's 103, kind of all along the yeah. Missouri River. It's hot. Exactly. Yeah, temperatures right now, actual air temperatures in the upper 80s to the low 90s. Those low 90s confined to eastern Nebraska. In eastern Kansas, also we are at, uh, right now at 90 at McCook, but it's a little bit drier there on the air. The dew points currently in the low and mid-70s in much of the central and east, as high as 75 on the dew point towards Fremont and in uh, the Omaha area. For reference, once it, that dew point hits 65, that's when you really start to feel that humidity. And once again, those uh, actual heat index readings in the upper 90s as you headed to much of eastern Nebraska, right at 102 as you head towards Omaha. A lot of us with dew point, or feels like rain is currently in the low mid-90s, the heat and humidity building. Wear your, your dry-fit clothing today, I guess. Uh, exactly. And drink plenty of water. Luckily, we do have some south winds kind of offsetting the heat and humidity. That uh, Even more heat and humidity today. Thanks to a, that ridge of high pressure, it's now starting to move over the Missouri River Valley, tapping into a little more moisture from the Missouri River. Heat index readings today expected to reach as high as 100 in much of the west and central, up near 105 as you head into the east. We do have that heat advisory in the east for today. South winds stronger ahead of some low pressure to our west. Those steady south winds tonight will keep the temperatures mild. Many of our lows not expected to be much cooler than the 70s tonight. The confidence is increasing on those thunderstorm chances as we head toward tomorrow into Friday especially to the north of I-80 as this high-pressure ridge starts to give way to a cold front. A few of the storms could be strong to severe. Now, Friday into early next week, that overall flow starts to turn more westerly, and that will lead to more seasonal temperatures. There will be some off-and-on thunderstorm chances with multiple disturbances passing through. The best chances of more widespread rain looks to be Friday evening and with the strong cold front as we hit towards Sunday evening. Behind that cold front on Sunday, Daytime highs will drop into the low to mid-80s for early next week. The cooler temperatures verify also in the long-term forecast. Nebraska and Kansas likely to be seasonal to cooler than normal Monday through July 24th. In central Nebraska, for reference, daytime highs in mid to late July, usually in the upper 80s with average overnight lows in the low to mid-60s. Nebraska and Kansas forecast to start with above normal rainfall the early to mid part of next week. Near normal rainfall expected late next week through the 24th. Weather factors impacting the markets include intense but brief heat in the Midwest and additional hot conditions in the Black Sea region. A warm weather pattern of near or above normal temperatures will cover much of the country in the next several days. During the weekend, markedly cooler air will arrive across the northern plains. That interaction between the southwest monsoon flow of moisture and a pair of cold fronts will generate Widespread rain from the four corners into the upper Midwest. The heat in the Midwest crop areas will be short-term. The great, With the greatest stress in Missouri, that's where precipitation has been well below normal this season in Missouri. Thunderstorms should develop in west and northwest Midwest areas the next few days and then move into eastern areas early next week. The crops in the northern plains remain in mostly good to excellent condition, especially in North Dakota. South Dakota and Montana may have some crop stress the next couple of days with some hotter and drier weather. 
In western areas of the Southern Plains, beef cow herd liquidations are widely reported in Colorado due to ongoing drought and a lack of pasture and water for their livestock. Across the Black Sea region, South Russia, very hot again yesterday. That region likely to experience warmer than normal temperatures the next seven days. On the flip side, though, there appears to be some increased chances for scattered thunderstorms towards Black Sea. But just hot and humid in our area for at least one more day. Well, and, it, and I was talking to Clay before you came in. It, it, it's incredible the growth of crops right now, and they started two weeks behind planting. They're two <laughs> weeks ahead now. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I was seeing corn tasseling on the Fourth of July in That's, some fields. So it's yeah, crazy. Good that, weather for that. For no sure. longer need to worry about knee high by the Fourth. It's no. Is it tasseling by the fourth? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Well, thank you, Paul. And, and for weather any time, where do you go? Head to krvn.com. All right. This this ag res, our ag regional weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation and Coolman Repair. Shaylee Peter is back with you on the Rural Radio Network. And it's Wednesday, which means it's time again this week to visit with our BASF Technical Service representative. We visit this week with Brady Kapler. And Brady, it's been just a little while since we've talked to you and uh, really getting into the thick of our growing season here and talking this week specifically about corn and, of course, a lot of tassels popping up across the countryside. And we're going to take a look this week specifically at successful plant health applications. Yes, absolutely. You know, we, we often talk about the benefits of fungicide application in corn and what we're what we're trying to achieve with these applications. So with the headline AMP application, um, we're looking at uh, really trying to make sure not only are we controlling diseases that are out there, but how can we influence the plant health piece uh, with that corn? And really what that translates into is, is what we're trying to do is are we, can we protect and reduce stress around that plant, around this tassel timing, these reproductive timing that we're entering now that we've got many, many of our fields in tassel and you know we're starting to pollinate that corn and so we want to do everything we can to possibly reduce stress uh, with that and then that in turn will translate into yield potential. And you mentioned yield potential there Brady that leads me right into my next question when we start to take a look at all of the different things that come into play with corn production a lot of it can have a big effect on our yield and so yield potential when it comes to plant health applications is key. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like I mentioned, we've got disease prevention that we're looking at, and uh, we're also talking about stress tolerance, uh, with, and again, again, anything to keep that plant. And then we're trying to make the plant more efficient. Uh, when we put a plant health application on there and we use one of our plant health fungicides like uh, Headline Amp or even Preaxor, we see that we improve growth efficiency, too, through photosynthesis. Um, we're also entering a period, you know, we've got a lot of hot weather going on, and we've got some warm weather at night. And dark respiration, things that happen at night can be a bad thing because that's using up our resources within the plant. And so with plant health, we can help reduce that uh, stress and an extra of that and improve growth efficiency overall. And as any grower knows, Mother Nature sure can knock the wind out of your sails pretty quickly. We've had such interesting weather all over the growing season as producers continue to deal with some of the implications of Mother Nature. So another thing, when we talk about these plant health applications, specifically in corn and the plant health benefits, really just providing another layer of armor to be able to deal with some of these issues as they come up. 
you had mentioned one specifically as we get into pollination if it's cooling down at night or not cooling down at night you know this really provides another layer of armor another layer of flexibility or defense against some of the things mother nature has tried to throw at us this growing season oh absolutely i mean we we start out we've had areas that have had too much rain we've had a few areas that haven't had enough rain um we've had areas where they've pale uh and you know places where it's 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 big up the crop pretty good so Anything we can do here to help with uh, that stress reduction is going to be important going forward and maintaining what we've got out there. And then finally, Brady, also talk about, you know, it's been a couple weeks since we visited with you. What are you seeing in your area? What are you hearing from producers? Uh, what we're seeing is a little bit of a development on the disease piece. Uh, as we enter this reduction, we've seen some gray leaf spot pop up um, and some talk of some northern corn leaf blight out there, too. Uh, as we move through, the southern rust has been pretty quiet. We are seeing some, some other things, and, you know, we'll watch that development as it occurs over the next few weeks. It's Brady Kapler, BASF Technical Service Representative. I'm Shaley Peters on the Rural Radio Network. Farmer. Time for us to check in on Sports Midday. Here's Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Scott. Well, UNK Interim Athletic Director Mark Bauer announced today that Becky O'Connell is taking over the reins of the UNK Women's Swimming Program. Longtime teacher and youth swimming coach in the Kearney area, O'Connell replaces Rebecca Tidwell, who resigned last spring. O'Connell becomes just the sixth head coach in the program's 57-year history. Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, and Novak Djokovic, they were headlining today's quarterfinal lineup at Wimbledon as they bid to reach the last fourth, the same Grand Slam for the first time since 2012 French Open. Now Djokovic, he was able to win, but Federer was upset, losing in the fifth to Kevin Anderson, losing that fifth set 13-11 to after Federer was leading that one 2 to nothing. Arkansas coach Dave Van Horn says he's agreed to a contract extension through the 2023 season after taking the Razorbacks to the runner-up finish in last month's CWS. Van Horn, who just completed his 16th season at the school, said last night that the deal includes options for 2024 and 2025. Van Horn's current contract runs through 2021 with an annual base package of around $775,000. Kansas State plans to increase its athletic budget for the upcoming fiscal year after a record in donations. University announced this week that the athletic department received cash payments of almost $31 million. For the next fiscal year, the athletic department's budget will increase by almost $9 million to $82 million. France, of course, they advanced yesterday to the World Cup final for the first time since 2006 with a 1-0 win over Belgium. France, they were the champs in 1998 and the runner-up in 2006. They will play either Croatia or England in Sunday's final. Now, England and Croatia, they'll play this afternoon. England is trying to reach its first World Cup final, believe it or not, since 1966. And the Lakers have signed veteran Lance Stevenson and second-round pick Sui Mikhailik. The Lakers chose Mikhailik with the 47th overall pick in last month's draft. The Ukrainian shooter averaged about 15 points per game last year for KU while setting the school's single-season record as he knocked down 115 three-pointers. That is a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Clear skies in Nebraska tonight, lows in the 70s, east and central to the upper 60s in the west. I'm Dave Schroeder. 
The Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services has unveiled a new set of goals for the current fiscal year as part of the annual business plan. The list announced today includes new initiatives to improve birth outcomes in Nebraska. We rank in the middle of the pack of states for most of the birth outcomes, but we want to go in a little better. We want to look at our overall birth outcomes as it relates to preterm birth, infant mortality, breastfeeding rates, hospital safety. And those are the things that we really want to look at and we want to work with our partners, particularly when you start to break down in terms of our ratings in Nebraska. When you look at some racial uh, equity in terms of those rankings, we have some work to do and we can definitely move up in terms of what we're doing for moms and babies. That's HHS CEO Courtney Phillips. Other goals for the coming year include addressing prescription opioid abuse and reducing turnover among child welfare workers. Other initiatives are continuing from the previous year, including maintaining the recent improvements made at Access Nebraska. That's a service that helps Nebraskans apply for and renew public benefits. Governor Pete Ricketts says the business plan is part of his efforts to make the agency more efficient and responsive to the public. A candidate for mayor of Holdridge was taken into custody on a federal warrant for firearms violation. Holdridge Police Department confirms it was contacted yesterday by the ATF, that's alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, naming Joseph Melton in the warrant. A Holdridge police officer made contact with Melton yesterday afternoon and confirmed there was a federal warrant for possessing an unregistered firearm. Melton was taken into custody without incident and was being housed in the Phelps County Justice Center jail pending transport. An Omaha landlord wants to evict a pharmacy that was convicted for selling unapproved opioids to improve the performance of racehorses. The MHP development filed a lawsuit this week seeking to evict Cole's Pharmacy from Miracle Hills Park, its Omaha business park. The landlord cited Cole's recent sentencing in federal court for obtaining a performance-enhancing drug and providing it to Kyle Hebert, a Louisiana veterinarian. A judge in March ordered Coles to five years of corporate probation and a $200,000 in fines. Hebert was sentenced to 15 months in prison for putting the drug into syringes and giving them to trainers at Louisiana racetracks. The landlord's lawsuit says Coles' criminal acts were outside the scope of the tenant's permitted use. Coles' attorney declined to comment. Current Radar Plus, your 10-day forecast anytime. Just tap the app or click weather at krvn.com. From the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Um. Good afternoon on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. We owe a debt of gratitude to our veterans fighting overseas, protecting our country and our freedoms. So what is available to veterans when they want to come back to production agriculture? Helping to shed light on this is Mark Wilkie, Farm Loan Chief Officer for Nebraska Farm Service Agency. Mark, we thank you for joining us today. As we get started, talk to us about the farm programs that are available to veterans. FSA has a variety of farm loan programs available and veterans would have the same type of access to those programs as any other applicant. Generally, this includes direct farm operating and farm ownership loans. It's guaranteed loans in cooperation with other commercial lenders. Uh, could be microloans that are designed specifically to meet the needs of small beginning and startup type farmers. And then we also have farm storage facility loans available. Veterans are also who are also looking to get started in farming generally fall under a category that we call beginning farmer and FSA 
specifically targets funding each year to assist beginning farmers. A beginner is, is someone who that who has not farmed a ranch for more than 10 years, and they can take advantage of our operating loan programs and also our farm ownership programs, and those are low-interest loan programs, and they have uh, collateral requirements that have a lot, lot more flexibility than what some co commercial lenders can offer. When a beginner is looking to purchase a farm, we have two really great programs that we can use to assist them. One is called a down payment program, where the beginner will need to put 5% down payment towards the purchase price, and the next 45% of the loan funds can be from the farm service agency, and there needs to be another commercial lender participating that would provide the other 50% of the, of the purchase funds. The FSA interest rate under that program is 1.5% for 20 years, and so it's attractive loan program to help be beginners out. We also have a program called joint financing, and, and that can be used for the purchase of real estate where the, the applicant, when they get more than 50% of their financing from a commercial lender, the farm service agency can fix their interest rate at, right now it's currently 2.5% for up to a 40-year term. So that's, that's a great program that helps beginners acquire real estate. Mark, is it best when looking at these programs to have a background in agriculture or a ag education, a college degree in agriculture? Well, their, their experience and, and education and background is something that we evaluate on a case-by-case -case basis. Generally, for our direct loan program, when they're, they're starting out using the operating loan program, we just make sure that they have enough experience to be successful with the loan. Um, in some cases, they have a, a farm background or some experience. In other cases, when they don't have that type of experience, we can assign a, a mentor to ask them to have a mentor assigned to them who will kind of help them through the first year of production. And then when we're talking about our farm ownership programs to purchase real estate, the, the requirement is that they have to have farmed or participated in the business operation of a farm for at least three out of the last 10 years and someone that served in the military can actually use their military leadership roles as one of those years of, of service in meeting that eligibility requirement. Uh, we also have a, a borrower training program that is designed to assist those that need some financial management or production um, education to be successful for their operations. Mark, before the interview, we were talking, and you said that there was a program in the works that would look at military service and try to then equate that into years of education. Can you expand a little bit on that new program? The USDA and Texas A&M Extension has entered into a joint pilot project that is basically called Battleground to break Breaking Ground, and it's a educational opportunity for veterans to get some training and education that can be used to fulfill the experience requirement for our farm ownership program. As I said earlier, normally it requires three years of participating in the business operation of a farm to be eligible for a farm ownership type loan, but through this program and their military service, they could meet that criteria by, by completing the program and getting a certificate. One other thing that I want to point out for veterans who are interested in our loan programs that they should start out by by talking or, or making an appointment with our local FSA 
office farmland manager to find a local FSA office. They can go to farmers.gov on the on their internet browser, or they can also get new additional information about starting out to farm under a website called newfarmers.usda.gov, and there'll be some helpful information there for anyone that has an interest in using our FSA loan programs or for getting started in production agriculture. And that is a lot of information. Again, we're talking with Mark Wilkie, Farm Loan Chief for Nebraska Farm Service Agency. Mark, thank you for being able to come on and talk with us about a lot of this important information when it comes to veterans and farm programs. When you want the latest in ag news and information, make sure you keep it at the Rural Radio Network. Number 15040, down 157. That nearby July lean hog contract finishes 27 higher at 79.77, but August down 97 at 68.80, and October down 175 at 52.07. Wall Street, the Dow down 253 points at 24,665. The Nasdaq Composite Index down 50 at 7,708. Ever wonder why autumn has an N at the end of it? It's because autumn N, or fall as some call it, is a great time to apply ESN Smart Nitrogen. Applying it in the autumn slash fall can save you time in the spring when you have so many other important things to do. ESN's polymer coating safeguards the N throughout the winter, so by springtime, it's ready to get your crops off to the best possible start. Its unique technology responds to the same factors that spur plant growth. ESN controls its release to match plant demand according to soil temperature. Your crops get all the nitrogen they need, when they need it, all season long. And its polymer coating helps reduce nitrogen loss from leaching, volatilization, and denitrification. Effective nitrogen, a given. Responsive nitrogen, amazing. Ask your retailer or visit smartnitrogen.com. Back on the Rural Radio Network, we get a review of the livestock futures trade from Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Yeah, there's only one word to uh, describe the uh, livestock markets today. Tariffs. Uh, that is the uh, thing that uh, has been plaguing the market here for quite some time, and uh, today was no exception. Uh, sharply lower cattle, sharply lower feeders, and for the most part, sharply lower hogs. So uh, just pure uh, selling coming into the market on the fear that uh, uh, the Chinese will raise the tariffs again on uh, agricultural goods. So far, there has been nothing done in that respect, but that fear is dominating the market in all uh, all sectors, uh, including the grains. So it's been a pretty tough uh, start to this week, and uh, today, uh, no exception, we just continued. Uh, uh, we did see uh, uh, some very heavy uh, selling throughout the day, started uh, right from the get-go, and uh, did let up just a little bit at the end. Uh, we did come up off our lows for the most part uh, straight across the board. The only bright spot was the July hogs, which ended up higher for the day. Everything else in the uh, livestock complex uh, sharply lower. So uh, looking at tomorrow, uh, uh, the markets are very oversold and wouldn't be surprised to see 
maybe a little bounce, but uh, we'll just have to wait and see and see what the uh, uh, markets look like uh, regarding tariffs. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Call him at 800-328-0134. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. At the FFA Foundation True Blue event in Lincoln this morning, FFA Foundation supporters and guests discussed how the FFA has impacted their lives, even though some of them were never even FFA members themselves. Good afternoon. I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network. I spoke with Emma Lonick at the event. She's a Lincoln native who wasn't involved in FFA until her area formed a chapter her junior year. But agriculture has always been a part of Emma's life. She spoke about her roles and involvement that originated from her local FFA chapter. My involvement with FFA started as a junior in high school. I was the president of the Career Academy FFA chapter here in Lincoln, Nebraska, and that really started my involvement in agriculture and started thinking about agricultural careers after high school. I was really involved in the ag issues team, livestock judging, land judging, ag demonstration, and then poultry evaluation. Lonick touched on the Ag Issues competition, one that she feels is important to all aspects of agriculture. My senior year, we did it on GMOs and the pros and cons of that, both on marketing and producing. And so in our hours and hours worth of research, um, we really figured out what real news was and what fake news and how to source out those authentic um, sources um, and figure out what news can be trusted. And I think that's really important when you're looking at news sources for, for agricultural issues because there are a lot of controversial issues out there. And so knowing that you are aware and educated about what is happening and knowing that your your sources are authenticated is really important. The Nebraska FFA Foundation focuses on growing leaders, building communities, and strengthening agriculture through ag education. And Lonick explained how those three concepts will be beneficial beyond high school and college. You know, Growing Leaders FFA sets a good platform for that once you get out of high school. I know going into college right now, it's it's looking at sororities and, and things like that, housing contracts. Um, so being able to be a leader and you know advocate for yourself, advocate for your hometown, where you come from, um, that's a really big deal in college and being able to set your story. Um, as far as building communities, being able to create relationships with people, that's a really important skill to have in just your everyday life, being able to make those connections and and have relationships with people being able to create a network is huge especially in a professional career strengthening agriculture again being able to you know tell your story of agriculture being able to say this is where i come from and being proud of that and being able to use all of those skills of growing leaders and building communities in order to strengthen agriculture and make it make it better for tomorrow finally lonick's message to urban students like herself about agriculture and ffa is all about making connections and exploring the 300 ag careers taught through Nebraska FFA. 
growing up in Lincoln, you know, we have a lot of agricultural communities around Lincoln. There's cornfields on the edge of town. There are community gardens in the center of Lincoln. So get those connections. It doesn't have to be a farmer or a rancher. You can be an ag communication major at a news station or a teacher in Lincoln, Nebraska, teaching kids how to weld or floriculture or animal science or anything like that. So just get those connections because if you're interested and if you have a passion for agriculture, it's going to stay with you and, and you can't shake it. So just make those connections. Lonick plans to attend the University of Nebraska-Lincoln in the fall to major in agriculture education. Reporting from Lincoln, I'm Alex Wojcicki, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network in an ugly day in the grain markets today, a risk-off day. With us is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. The variables include, of course, the trade tensions with China, but good weather for uh, for development and maybe the stronger dollar, maybe the sharply lower uh, oil futures prices, too. Uh, that all blends into just a tough, tough day. Been a tough month, tough six weeks. Um, really going back to the end of May, and I, you could probably just replay the, the same interview that I've given you guys the last month. I mean, it's the same same deal. You know, you're, you're talking about massive amount of liquidation, and you're starting to see it in wheat uh, as we're down 18 today. Uh, soybeans, obviously, you know, pointing towards the story, the, the maybe the most headline market out there, but uh, just a massive amount of, of liquidation across the curve. Uh, it doesn't really matter the market, even a market like copper, for example. They kind of tends to lead the way, and economic growth is down. I think we're trading like seven or eight month lows now in that market. So uh, everything falling apart doesn't really. I'd like to think tomorrow is the day that the low is set. I, I don't have any evidence that'll happen. I imagine we'll get some bullish numbers out of the USDA, especially on the wheat and corn side, uh, specifically on the global stocks. Even with the increased U.S. production that we're likely to get, you know, the offset offsetting factor will be lower production in Brazil or production in Ukraine, possibly South Africa as well, combined with problems over in China. So uh, I think, you know, it doesn't really make sense to see the market sell off this quick, but it's very similar to a year ago in, in a sense. So we're at the prices where, where lows were made a year ago, 330s, we'll call it. I, 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 an exact price, maybe 332, I think is, is what comes to mind. But my thought would be we'd trade here possibly set up in more of a sideways channel, trade around 330 on the SEP contract, and then eventually fall to 330 on the DEEF contract. But, you know, December doesn't come up for delivery for another five months. I mean, it'll be like week 10 of the college football season before before December goes into delivery. So it's 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 very, very difficult for me to get too, uh, too bearish on, on physical supply at this point, given that the prices have essentially fallen 20 cents just since Friday morning. So, um, you know, 374 was the close on Friday, and we're, we're down here at 354. And nothing's really changed. I mean, the weather outlook's better, but, uh, you know, is there any more or less corn around? I, I don't know. It just feels to me like a lot of liquidations happened here, and I've seen it a lot personally. So um, I think the short term, probably make a low tomorrow. I'd imagine it's going to end up ugly, and then maybe the best case scenario is we, we close with a green number and possibly chop from here. That's the best hope I can have. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to danielsagmarketing.com. And the new tariff twist is the culprit behind the fall in the grain and soybean futures today. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.